standby please for one and two. Standby please for tabs out. Standby on stage. LXQ1, go. Hello listener, and welcome to the inaugural episode of Standing By. Standing By is yet another theatre podcast. My name is Alex Fernandez, and I'm going to be having conversations with the folks who make it their business to stay out of the limelight. Literally. Stage managers, technicians, designers, puppet makers, projection mappers, the people who keep everything running in the vast machine that is the performance industry. I'm doing this because I realized over the years that I've had countless fascinating conversations with the people who work backstage. The technical theatre world is so odd, and the people who work within it operate in a subculture that has its own knowledge, language, and insights. I'm hoping to maybe tap into that subculture with the conversations here. We'll see how it goes. For this first episode, I spoke to Carl Oscar Sordal and Carly Hook, the production manager and stage manager of Richard Alston Dance Company. Carl was also the lighting designer for most of the pieces they were working on while I was with them. I originally intended for this to be one or two chats in a quiet room, maybe over a beer, but the nature of the work meant we ended up recording over the course of several weeks in a few different locations. This means the results are somewhat fragmented and the audio quality varies. We also throw around a few names and technical terms that may need some context, so there's an explanation of what they mean in the episode description. I hope you enjoy these conversations as much as I did. Carl, if you had to describe for someone who doesn't know anything about anything what, what you do for a living? Mm-hmm. I find that the most fun on Tinder, actually. Uh, people go, oh, can you get me a headline slot with my gig? Yeah. Or, um, what else they say? Oh, so do you dance yourself? Nope. I'm more like, oh, so you, so you make like lights for IKEA and stuff? Huh? <laughs> no, I don't, I don't make lights. I decide what something on stage should look like. Yeah, it's funky. How do you describe to numb nut <laughs> <laughs> what a production manager or a lighting designer is? You don't. You tell them you're an accountant and hopefully they think that's really boring and then we can talk about something else. <laughs> or if you're like proper fruity, it's like, oh yeah, I work, I work for the army. Then you make up some crazy story and hopefully that bites. <laughs> That's the way to do it. Carly? Uh, the thing I frequently, the thing people can actually relate to, well, they, most often they then say the name of a West End musical. Like, oh, so you mean you do, you do Chitty Chitty Bang Bang? No, no. Um, and so I then just have to explain, you know when you see a show and the lighting goes from one thing to another, or you hear a sound effect or a song starts, or suddenly a bit of scenery comes in, that happens because I told someone to do it. And then they're like, oh. And they zone out a little. Um, oh, no, I just remember doing a Q&A with a load of, um, not directly related to what you just asked, but doing Q&A with a load of people that come to see a showcase of work I think it was a load of graduate students that I'd taken to Newcastle and we did a showcase. Q&A afterwards, and the dad of one of the children, who was a dancer, about a 17-year-old, said, um, yeah, but with the music videos not really being as popular as they were, what what is my son actually going to do? And I literally had to pick my jaw up off the floor because he just thought that there was nothing more for his talented athletic dancer of a son who you know could both do ballet or contemporary or any other range of dances thought that literally the only thing in his future would be to be a backing dancer to a vocalist in a music video he just thought there was nothing else there my heart sank i still come across that a lot people just don't understand that dance they understand going to the theatre in so much as they know about the West End musical. Or they've heard of the ballet. 
that's it. But it's the same like with my parents because I don't come from a cultural background at all. Like mm-hmm. I've, I'm the only one. So for them to come and see something that I've worked on has no meaning because they don't even know what they're looking for. Like, mm. No, and then don't you find you don't know what to pick to bring them to either? So like, they've come and seen, like with my ex-girlfriend, she was a dancer and she was on stage. So that, they would go and see that because she was on stage and they could sort of relate that, you know, the person on stage. But like seeing something that I've worked on with people they didn't know was sort of not really interesting because it was like, oh, he's done the lights for it. What's that mean? But they've come to seeing like some shows lately. So like related to what we talked about yesterday when I actually came and saw my Sapper's premiere. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's, I think the industry, obviously we work in an industry where everyone knows each other. So for us, in this circle, we obviously we know what people do and what people don't do, but yeah. the majority of the world has no idea. Yeah, it's where to sort of start explaining what we do for a living. So then, don't you don't you then find out about other people's jobs? I then suddenly think, oh my god, am I really close-minded because I have no idea what a quantity surveyor does? Or <laughs> no, but there's if you think like, okay, how many people work as stage managers, yeah. stage managers in the entire world. It's not a lot. Not a lot. And like how many people work with... We're so unique. <laughs> ...accounting in the entire world. There's quite a lot more. So yeah. it's more like a common thing for people to know what it's... So really it's more embarrassing if you don't know what a quantity surveyor is. Yeah. yeah. I am constantly embarrassed by that. But we live in a bubble. Like there's no hiding that. Like the, the arts world is a closed in little circle of crazy freaks, freak shows, in a way. Do you feel a sense of ownership over, I guess, the company? Yeah, I think so. Our shows. I'm... No, there is definitely ownership. But I do that in every job I do. If I'm casual tech at the place, I feel ownership over the place. If I'm... On tour with Austin, I feel ownership yeah. over that. But I feel like with Alston particularly, with this, there's kind of there's these ten people on stage that it's they're your responsibility, both of yours. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's so, our theatre. They're our dancers. Yeah, it's our kit. It's my show. Yeah, it's everyone. Just like some <laughs> one of the things you said the other night was that you felt like one of the one of the pieces had been taken away from you because of because of it being controlled by the computer. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Whenever we do um, MIDI, a great invention, fantastic. And we've only moved in that direction in the last two years. Um, But now that we've got it, it's just key. It's just fantastic. But then we go abroad or we switch up the programme or something and we end up doing that same piece, but maybe with live musicians. And I'm like, oh, I get to reclaim all those cues. They're mine. And then we come back from wherever we've been, where we've done that, and the computer takes them again. Mm. And then I'm sat there like, oh, I used to call that. <laughs> Stab. Yeah. <laughs> Heartbreak. No, it's absolutely fine. I am, um, and it gives me great joy to sit there and just see it occurring on the monitor and be like, okay, we worked really hard once, listening and feeling and adapting the timing of when it happens, the adapt- adapting the timing of what it is, and it all comes together. Oh. But then that takes away from the adrenaline rush of making that thing happen nightly. It's a hard 
thing, like the whole technology, like you can... Can embrace or reject. You, you, okay. you have to either, yeah, embrace or reject. Like some people are saying, like, oh, you, you can literally cut away two technicians on tour and replace it by QLab. That's not what you're trying to achieve, but technology is there, so why not embrace it and use it for what it's worth? Mm. Consist I quite like. Consistency is, is a thing with the computer, but obviously there's a human interaction to make things happen. But you don't need to like sack like the entire crew and do it <laughs> on your own. Yeah. But that's why I like having those discussions with you when you've got your lighting designer hat on about uh, the, the minor debates we have over whether that cue can be midied or not. No, because you're looking for her arm to do this. Yeah, but it always falls on the downbeat of this. Yeah. And yeah, and maybe we'll try it once midied in you know, a tech rehearsal and be like, no, or yeah, and then it, there it is, it stays. I enjoy that. Yeah. But, but specifically working with Richard, not so much with Martin, but he works so much with music and on the beat and with the tempo changes and everything. So the dancers are counting. Everything on counts to the music. The musicality gets sort of mentioned and featured and praised yeah. in every review as so, well. It's literally, that's his style. So then to put it in with MIDI, because there's no improvisation, works because it will be at the same point in the same point in music every single time but with Martin there's like floating around and there's <laughs> probably no counts yeah. for some of the pieces. I knew this would happen there are two cues there are three cues that Carl used to take in this piece this is exciting one of them is the next one <laughs> Um, it's a snap on the music, so we're going to have some fun. Um, it's alright, it, uh, it literally needs to be like him with his hand on the button, so him calling it is as good as me calling it. So stand by Alex who's 14 through 16. Thank you. I mean this touring thing takes up all your time. Uh, how how much how often do you s stay out of of home, on average? Oh, not okay. not necessarily with our ADC, but just in your life as a freelance stage manager. Oh, okay, that's interesting. Um, so I, a standard week that we frequently are used to with our ADC is being away from home for three to four nights a week. Mm -hmm. Um, I actually just really like it. We hop out on a train, uh, train, code word for train, forced free time. That's always fun. Mm -hmm. um, get a lot of film watching or personal admin done. Um, and, but then I'm a great one for an opportunity being presented and me just going, yeah, yeah, that'll work. I'll do that. So... Uh, when was it last year? I think my passport had just been renewed and popped through the post on Tuesday. Uh, we didn't return from tour with Alston until the Thursday. Um, and on Tuesday afternoon, I think my mum said, oh, your passport arrived. And then somebody asked me to do a job in the Ukraine at the end of the week on Tuesday afternoon. And I was literally like, well, I guess any other time I'd probably say no. But the arrival of my passport points to yes. <laughs> so I did it. Um, I was somewhat tired, mm -hmm. um, and it was quite the adventure, but I guess I wouldn't have that memory or that story unless I did, nor would I have that new relationship with a choreographer and uh, a continued job, mm. which is exciting. So that's another thing that I tour with. Um, but I'm away a lot, um, actually, and that's become very apparent very apparent two years ago um, when uh, my then partner also went freelance and then we were a bit like oh oh we don't ever see each other hmm. um, but and now I, I I still I still quite like it I don't think I'm bored yet 
Do you think you will be? Oh, I think I will be. I think there'll come a time where I'm sick of packing three pairs of trousers and ruminating over which shoes to take, shoving it in my suitcase and hoying it around. Um, but I like... Let's see, with Alston, this is my third year. Um, there, It's quite infrequent now that there is new uncharted territory. So on this tour, this spring, um, we're three venues in, we haven't been anywhere new yet. Um, and I'm trying to think if we are going somewhere new. We are. Uh, in maybe a month or so, we're going to Germany, mm. to somewhere that we've not been before. Um, but equally, there are so many different grades of what is new and what is old. So this is new for me. Um, it's new for the company because we've never been to the venue before. But the company is 20 years old and some people have been with it for so very long. So there's often sort of ghosts of, oh, yes, well, we did that, you know, many years ago before you were with us. So there's already sort of a set way. Yeah. You know, people will want to be in their particular dressing rooms or yeah. we know the journey from the train station to the theatre. Yeah. Um, but then other times there's complete unknowns. And that's that's this one, which makes it quite exciting. Um, but yeah, when there are no new places, sometimes you think, oh, I could just be putting this show on in London. But you know what? It's better because there's no commute. <laughs> it's uh, And it's quite nice being a clump of humans that move from one place to another. You meet up with a couple of other humans that you may have worked with once before and you join together to make a thing and then what a day and a half later you've got a show that lots of people come and see and that's that's nice nomadic yeah which is hilarious because it's the name of one of our pieces huh. which we're all very fond of actually it was a collaboration between Richard and a young choreographer called Ajani it was quite loud and thumpy mm. that was cool which one's your favourite piece? Oh, I, uh, I absolutely adored a piece that we did in my very first... So if we break up the tour, I've been with them for nearly three years, but you do an autumn tour and a spring tour. So let's say there are six sections, and I'm currently in my sixth. In the first section, so the first autumn, we did a show at the Barbican, which was very exciting, so it was pretty huge. Um, and we brought back a piece the previous name was um rumors visions but its current name is illuminations um and i absolutely loved it and i think it's because the first time i saw it i cried <laughs> first time i saw it on stage um and it is a relationship between two gay men uh one is a player and uh wants to be he has a wife but also wants to be with his chappy um, and then they're both just a bit like, I do want to be with you, I don't. And it is heartbreaking. Um, and it would break my heart nightly. I loved calling the cues. Costumes are beautiful. The lighting was great. Everything was just delicious. I was very sad when we stopped touring it. Mm. But it was quite nice to have that to look forward to. Um, it's nice to look forward to every night and every show. I also quite like it when we um, have a little bit of a cast change. Yeah. So it was a thrill. Someone hops on to do a lift and you're like, whoa, that's not so-and-so. Mm. I mean, I learned that in the tech. Of, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you're not surprised by it nightly. In the show. Yeah. No. So that's that's always a gas. I think it keeps it a bit spicy for the dancers as well. I think they enjoy that, which is nice. It changes the dynamic of how they all behave together. <laughs> I nearly called it there, and no, that's the wrong man. I'm standing next to the correct man. <laughs> LXQ21. Oh, I see. This would be it. Why did you decide to go to university? Um, to get away. 
From Norway. From Norway. <laughs> but yeah, it was sort of to get away. It was sort of to... Uh, not sort of stagnate as a freelancer. Not to sort of be comfortable with working in a receiving house. Just being yeah. like, this is my job. Blah, blah, blah. There's a new company coming in every other day of the week and you rig their lights, you focus for them, you treat them well and they're happy. But like, what do you do? Like, you, yeah. you just go and repeat. So it's to get away, change my life up a bit and then somehow ended up in London. Um, I have this notion of Scandinavia as a whole of being like this arts-loving socialist utopia. Um, <laughs> What what is it is it what what are the differences between, you know, making theater in Norway and making theater in the UK? <clears throat> I, I think theater as like traditional what you think theater theater is, is fairly similar. Like you have, because it's very institutionalized in Norway. It's very institutionalized in in England, and it's fairly similar. There's not much 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 difference uh, there's slightly less of this hierarchy of people in Norway right it's more it's, it's a flatter structure there's more uh, team based work you mean technically or like in all departments all departments from from top to bottom in a way um, you would but that also depends on who you're working with some directors prefer it when it's really like they communicate with three people and they have people under them. Some directors like to have a whole team of people and some directors want to be part of a team rather than be the director of a team. Yeah. So you have all those sort of like variations, but I feel like there's more... It's more like even responsible. It's more like teamwork. Yeah. Um, than coming in like a lightning designer at the last minute and then throwing something on at the end. Yeah. Which I feel sometimes happens here. But I've been lucky, like most most of the things I've done here in England, I've been a big part of. I've been part of a process rather than being a lighting designer that got put on last minute. Mm-hmm. To sort of, Can you put some lights on for us? Yeah. <clears throat> And I really enjoy the sort of team player version. I think everyone does. To be feel like you're part of the team rather than... Tacked on at the end. Tacked on at the end of a process where some artistic people have worked together for weeks and you suddenly come in in the last two, mm-hmm. see some rehearsals and throw some lights in the rig and you're like, yeah, this is my job. Has that been, is it, why do you think that is the, the structure in the UK? Do you think it's because it's, it's, they don't have the money to pay somebody to actually be there in the rehearsals is kind of stuck in? Or is it more of a, a notion that the lighting designer doesn't really benefit from being in rehearsals for longer, so they're brought in at the end? I think, <clears throat> no, I think there's, there's a little bit of a culture in England, like, Oh, do you want to have work experience with us, or do you want to work with us? It would look great on your CV. Do you want to for exposure? Working for exposure. Yeah, so. working for exposure is like a thing. And like when I moved here, I was like, I said like one thing: I'm never ever going to work for free, mm-hmm. uh, regardless of who and what. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to do work like six months for a theatre company. And it will look good on my CV. I'm like, no, that's not happening. Mm. If I'm working for you, you you're gonna pay me. It might not be much money, but mm. I'm being paid. Yeah. Uh, so the whole sort of volunteering, getting things on your CV, getting experience, then use that later on to get a paid job. It's sort of shooting the whole industry in the foot in a way because mm. you then end up with companies that can't ever <coughs> afford to pay people and they just siphon through people that are willing to put in minimal effort for free over and over and over, and they never actually 
get more funding because they got away with less funding last time mm. and then nowadays funding are getting cut so it's getting less and less and then it's harder and harder to make a living for quite a lot of people <clears throat> but also I think there's there's sort of traditional sense theatre like from hanging back from ages and ages ago where things were different things were were more like a hierarchy of these are the important people these are the crew where you didn't really have a designer you didn't have a set pointer but you had like one person's vision mm. and crew working to facilitate yeah and I feel some places haven't really left the facilitating era mm. where we are not artists we are just facilitating mm. and I think some of that's hanging back and maybe in Scandinavia and, and like the Nordic countries we've moved into more that the designer is also part of the artistic mm. like, team um, so maybe that's some to do with it but I don't know yeah no I think I I think I've definitely <coughs> experienced something similar to what you're you're saying but um, I think it sort of disappears uh, more and more the bigger it gets like the bigger yeah, yeah. shows get the more that there is an acknowledgement of, of the, the the artisan in, yeah. the, in the in the light and design oh my favourite word <laughs> artisan artisan See where he stopped and where the light came up. He's a good egg. One thing that I've noticed uh, touring shows is that you know if you do a kind of week-long run or a couple of different nights in a row that there's like a, quite a, a, a variation in energy mm -hmm. on stage in the performance like we last night's show everyone was saying that it was you know everybody was quite alive and yeah it was a really hepped good one up. hepped up um and i'm assuming it, it must also vary i think it varies greatly i've always uh, maintained that of a three show run and i feel like uh, I've known this to be true my entire career. Night one, you have probably come out of tech sessions that morning, address that afternoon, um, and a show that night. So you have been on the adrenaline roller coaster mm. for the previous days before tech, tech, tech. Uh, you are high as a kite, and you go out there and you do the show. That's a cracker. The second night, you are so pleased with yourself. You get complacent. Yeah. Having done show one, you're like, yeah, man, we did that. Um, and show two is generally a fluffy one mm. um, on everybody's part. Um, you know, and absolutely not even discernibly noticeable to an audience member, but just, uh, yeah, there, there may be just things. And then you learn from show two and go, oh, okay, actually, we have to uh, yeah. wind ourselves back up again. Um, and then you do. And then show three... That's the one. So that's, I always maintain that to be true. Uh, it's always a bit tricky though when show three is also the final show because then your mind is progressing further forward thinking, oh, and then actually we've got to get out after this. Mm. So. But because you, you, you know this to be true, is there yeah. anything that you can do to, to make that not the case? To make not the second one not a fluffy one? Uh, in the way that... Um, I maintain that dancers do warm-up and, um, yeah, they do class, they do personal warm-up, they do notes before every show. Yeah. Um, and therefore, it's my responsibility to have another look through my cue sheets mm. and make sure, just because I closed my laptop, closed my folder at 9.35 last night, doesn't mean the next time I cast my eyes on it should be beginners. Yeah. I feel like... I need to just have a little nosy first. Um, and if only because that then makes me go, oh, yeah, that one, that was a bit of a close one last night. Mm. Great. I'll... Bear that in mind. Yeah. And because you come from the tech or the dress with the muscle memory of having just done that three hours ago. Yeah. Well, I've just done this 23 hours ago. Mm. Uh, and 
my body's not holding the same sort of tension. I I mean, I don't know, that could be everyone, that could just be me, but my favourite my favourite jobs are ones where um you know, there could be the same group of people that I've worked with many times before, but like we come together on there's a fit up on a Monday, tech, um, you know, Monday evening, Tuesday day, um you know maybe it's lots of different pieces we do tech again the next morning we do a dress and then we do the first show we do one or two or three shows nightly and then the applause of the final show I've saved all my files um, and any extraneous bits of paper are there in the bin and I'm you know standing by to bring the tabs in and I'm applauding along with them and I'm like yep I did that show great what's next and that's my absolute favourite being on the high from the tech, from the dress, doing the show, and then it being over. So you've come up, mm-hmm. you've done it, and then, wow, next one. Yeah. I'll ask you the question that I told you to ruminate on oh. <laughs> earlier, which was, uh, to, to what extent is... Because, I mean, on the face of it, like written down on a piece of paper, if someone were to look at the description of what a stage manager does, it sort of seems, it's, ma- it's managerial. Yes, quite uh, logistics based. Lo- yeah, logistics based. So to what extent do you consider it to be creative? I, um, this is actually coming back to a conversation I was having uh, with Carl earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, I mean, of the various roles of stage management, my preferred one is a DSM mm-hmm. or just a stage manager. But I absolutely do prefer being a DSM calling the cues because you are... I was about to say, you're wholly active. You are, if you don't say it, it won't happen. Yeah. So you're you're the one pulling it all together uh, from, you know, 7.30 to 9.30 every night. Um, creative. It's, sorry, yes, what I was saying is when it went back to speaking about it with Carl, when we're talking about the nuances of a particular cue and should it go here because it takes this long to complete and we want the sort of swell of the music to be mm. with that or should I take it on when they do this lift so that it is complete by the time they land or and then therefore does that um, does that then depend on whether I call it on a visual or whether we tell Mrs Q Lab to do it mm. or on a MIDI cue or but yeah that's quite fun Equally, that makes it sound like I have a fair bit of involvement in where the cues go. Um, I'm not even sure if that's true. I think I just like to stick my nose in, mm-hmm. actually, <laughs> which I guess is, again, uh, a stage management trait. It is my business to know everyone else's business and uh, the whens and the whys. Mm. So, yeah, you know, you're running notes on stage for another 10 minutes. Okay, well, I have to know that because... Other people are depending on the use of space, or dancers need a break, or yeah. To what extent is there a level of like personal involvement in? I guess to what level does your personal life come into it when it comes to being a stage manager? Like obviously you spend time with these ten people who are on mm. stage. You kind of grow, and you're all mates yeah by by the if not necessarily the beginning but by the end of it they you know we were all out having dinner last night as a group of people yes um how does that make it easier does it make it harder uh oh i think it makes it easier actually um i'm very lucky i don't think i have um worked on something for a prolonged period of time where i've never not liked anyone and uh, you have to remember that um, you're not going to like everyone mm. and not everyone's going to like you. Um, and equally, that could be... Sometimes I wonder, oh, if they didn't know me in my professional life, would, would we actually hang out? Because they'd think, oh, she's actually a nice person. Or, no, she's really irritating me as a stage manager. We ain't friends. But, um, no, I think it makes it easier. It's important to have friends on the road. Mm. It's You uh, travel together... You sometimes I find it funny. You sort of like, yeah, we travel together, we eat breakfast together, we have lunch together, we work together for both those sessions every day, and yeah, and you do the show, 
and then it is pretty standard that we will all go out for dinner together after the show mm. um, and that is a really nice way of just hanging out I'm trying to think back if we even talked about the show last night Go. I hope you like that, it's one of my favourites. <laughs> Out of interest, um, do you think like for yourself have you got a, an ultimate goal in mind like do you know what it would mean to have made it so to speak well yeah in a way I I, I did mm. um, like when when I when I found out that I was moving to London I was like okay I'm gonna be Premiering in Sadler's Wells, I'm going to stand on the stage and take applause on mm. at Sadler's Wells. That's like, then I've made London. Yeah. Um, and then that happened last March. And after, like literally the day after, I was sat at home being like, like, now what? Like, <laughs> it, it, it makes me like a bit sick, like thinking like, now what? Like, but at the same time, it sort of felt like I've been working so hard for so many years to sort of achieve that one goal. Yeah. And then when it suddenly happened, because it happened so quickly when it started, just balls started rolling, and suddenly I was like, shit, I'm going to be on stage at Sadler's and take applause on my opening night for, for my own lighting design. I was like... It's, it's an amazing feeling, and afterwards I was like, like, what's bigger? Like, is there, do I need bigger? Can I do it? Is there something else? Is it completely fulfilled? What What's my next goal going to be? And I went through loads and loads of these, like, weird emotions and feelings after it happened. I was like, what do you do? Do you just, like, carry on? It's weird. Because that's been such a big thing for so long, and then yeah. suddenly I was there, and I'm like, wow. Do you find a bigger, more famous dance theatre to have a premiere in? And <laughs> yeah, is that the thing? Yeah. Like, it's, it's like... But I wouldn't say, like, when we premiered Stronghold, you saw that last week? No, I didn't. Stronghold wasn't one of them. Stronghold was not one of them. Stronghold premiered in Brighton, mm. uh, now in 2016, 15, I can't remember back two years ago when that premiered in Brighton that was for me just as big in a way as yeah as doing the same thing but in Sadler's yeah so I don't think the, the, the venue means anything even yeah. though Sadler's Wells was like a definite goal for me um like premiering Shackney in America hmm doesn't even need to know that it was in like Montclair State University, but like America, it's also like a, a, a big thing. Yeah. But yeah, I'm like, still now, I'm like, what, what is next in line? Do you think. How do you think about this, by the way? Well, I mean, the, the question I was going to ask next is like, the, the, the notions that I have about these things are based on sort of existing structures they're like what's what's meant to happen i guess uh, you know like uh, it seems like the obvious goal and i wonder how much of that is based on uh us kind of being in the footsteps of other lighting designers mm. and thinking oh this is what they did this is this was kind of a, a career a, a peak achievement for for them or the the idea that um having shows in various different countries in certain places is is like you know an obvious step yeah, forward yeah. they're like obvious markers whereas i think that the kind of more personal pleasures are sort of 
much more um, subjective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's really easy to say I was on stage at Sadler's, but it's much less easy to say like, uh, oh, it was the first show that my parents came to see or something like yeah. that. Yeah. I think like there's there's like okay, what 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 is the ultimate goal? What's the achieving? Bit like are are we working towards an ultimate goal? And I don't I don't think so. No, like, I think the moment you reach um, a sense of perfect yourself, mm. you have nothing more to do in this industry. Because mm. then you stop working, then you stop progressing. If you think what you've done is perfect, then I think you as a creative is over. Yeah. Because then you you've got there, and then bang. Yeah. No more find another, another job yeah but I think it's like the same pe- same thing like people's people's life like they want to be like a millionaire yeah like they work half their life to get there and then when they get there it's like well it doesn't feel any different yeah what now so maybe an answer to that question that you were struggling with is that the is thus about where it is or what it is but more about how it how the work yeah how proud you are of your own work mm. and it's it's like I think it's also like the people around you are like if if you um, who do you need a compliment from before for it to feel right yeah so having the right people saying the right things to you is more yeah. important I don't think it's about the venue the time or the size does a career progression look like for a stage manager? Oh, yes. And, and specifically, I'm talking about, A, do you think that you're quote-unquote made or have made it? And how does that differ from somebody who might just be starting out or might be considering studying it and thinking about their own future? Interesting. Okay. Um, oh, by no means do I think I'm made. So that's a bonus. There's still plenty of life and experience and jobs to be done Uh, you know lots more exciting creative humans to work with Um, it's let's see it's curious because you I didn't exactly I didn't exactly choose stage management Um, I started out in technical in lighting and then um, somebody said do you want to DSM this project and I literally was so blown away that somebody else believed I could do it, but I said yes, um, in the same way that once it probably didn't really suit my timing or anything, but my passport had just renewed and someone asked me to go to Poland, and so I said yes, and I went and did a job there for three days. Um, and blind me, if you don't say yes, you don't get to do the fun, mad things. Yeah. So, so more, more saying yes. Um, but... After I did that project, I thought, okay, I managed that. It occurred. Everyone was happy, and the show looked great. This is a thing I probably can do. Let's do more of this, um, and let's sort of make it known that uh, this is what I'd like to do, find the right people, start talking to choreographers. um, Also, tune up anyone else sort of on your, your plane of... The one thing I find really funny, actually, is that I don't know many other stage managers because I work on shows that are small enough to only ever have one stage manager Yeah. Um, and so people say oh can you recommend someone and I sort of think well actually I can recommend one of every other element in the team I could suggest some dancers, a production manager thing but um, so I guess with regards to career progression I really like doing what I do right now which is where I am the only one. Mm-hmm. It's me being the stage manager and I'm supporting a team of creatives and dancers. Um, I mean, but it's so different. Everyone's desires and needs. There are people who want to go into the West End and, you know, that's the dream. 
to DSM a West End show. Yeah, um, but it's not your dream. Sadly not, no, I don't feel that way. Um, I think the work is always different. Mm-hmm. So it's still spicy. Um, this, going back to sort of the DSM stuff, it makes me think of, insofar as I know, um, the woman in black changes their DSM every six months, Yeah, I believe, to keep the show fresh because it's got to be so snappy and shocking and I hope that's not an urban myth amongst stage management but I believe that to be true but this sort of goes back to the question that I asked now two weeks ago (laughs) sort of in podcast world maybe 20 minutes ago yes um, uh, about like the the creative aspect of 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 stage management then that that sort of need to to bring somebody in that who is fresh sort of speaks to that being the case then that, that yes. there is a, definitely a creative role there yeah that is true actually yes it's not it's not all call sheets and you know being told off for being late yeah it is it is so much more than that Um, so, I don't know how else to phrase this, but I feel like, and we've already tried to record this twice, um, so this is the third recording, let's hope it's successful. Um, sexism in the technical theatre industry. You wrote your dissertation on this. Yeah. Ten years ago. Yeah. Nine, nine and a half years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, at the time you must have had some sort of... Uh, impetus for writing that and you've spoken about how it was kind of the um oh yes it was definitely the imbalance of uh male to female the sort of parity across the course with mm-hmm. us being way more lads than yeah. there were girls yeah um and i had just come from a girls school so i'm not really sure how that informed me because i guess we were always told that mm-hmm. we could do anything um Equally, it was a girls' grammar school, so anything as long as you were a politician, a journalist, or an accountant. Mm-hmm. So literally being like, I'm going to go in and plug up lights. They looked at me like I'd just sworn at them. Um, but I, yeah, then went on to study at uni. Um, and I was, there were fewer girls than boys across the two lighting courses. Um, and I just thought, I wonder if this needs looking at. I, my mind was broadened uh, throughout the uh, research into writing the thesis. Thesis? That's not the stuff. Um, and equally, just getting on and doing it, not as, as a professional once I graduated, really sort of changed my attitudes. I think. I initially potentially started out as a bit, oh, poor me. No, no, that's not the case. You gain the knowledge, gain the experience, and then use those things to just smash on and do the job, Mm -hmm. gain the respect, and then there you are doing the job. And then it just doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl. Just... But that's the case, I mean, that's That's the case case for you as a woman working in the industry. It's not necessarily the case for all the lads who work in a theatre in X city which are primarily lads yes yep absolutely I uh, I uh, yep do do quite the big smile when I walk into a venue and I see a woman more than a woman uh, more than one woman on the tech crew Um, yeah that always makes me really Mm -hmm. happy you think hey look we're out here doing it because when I'm touring regionally they are so infrequently not out there doing it and um, let me maybe one in every eight venues I'm trying to think now how many we've just worked with a really nice lady yeah Um, so that's pretty cool 
she's yeah she's bitchy she's cool and but casting my mind back even further across the tour across tours with other companies anything in the last year I struggle although I know when we very very first spoke about it uh, I absolutely sort of burst with joy and pride for having uh, sort of come from the place where there's just there's women coming out of their ears yeah. and they are great uh, tech women for days um, and they're the nuts and they're nurtured and they're all really smart and it's a that's a cracking place but I don't see that volume of women in any other theatre anywhere equally I don't do a lot of West End work I, d- I don't do any at all I yeah. think um, <coughs> but West End is the London London is yeah. Yeah. very 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 different from 10 minutes down the road outside yeah. of London but then I also feel like West End work is very different to what we do because I feel like I could be doing four different jobs in one day for different companies whereas in the West End you know if you're on a show run yeah. that's you go in you do your show do you notice I sound the... like I'm pooping on the West End I'm not <laughs> they're, they're just two different you know there are also people that tour and not tour it's yeah just two different things you want from your life yeah <laughs> no um, do you notice that there's a, an obvious difference in the way that uh, technical crews treat you relative to how they treat Carl oh yeah that sort of steps outside of necessarily what your roles are which I really wish didn't happen uh, but yes it's uh, yeah it does um, I've encountered a couple of crews in you know in my entirety of my career who um, would maybe look at you but not just not sort of see you and you'd stand there and address them and say right well I need this and that and that other LX bar in because what's on is the stuff I need to pack first needs to go the trailer first so I know why I need it so they don't need to question that element mm-hmm. um, but they still do yeah. or they'll just deny for no reason it's something I found that's very frustrating um, but yeah that's sort of when I'm on stage doing a get out it when I'm calling a show you don't question where I've called a queue you know, yeah that's none of your business I've, I've said do it so press the button um, but yeah in a get out I find myself being questioned a fair bit but then equally that brings me back to questioning myself and just thinking okay maybe I'm not affirmative enough maybe that is my problem um, but then on the other hand I think I was decently affirmative in yesterday's get out especially with folding the psych do this now um, and then sometimes and then that sort of heads in the other direction I find sometimes and um, they sort of go alright well, we know how to fold a psych I know you do but so let's do it you know and, yeah. I'm, and I'm just instructing you as my colleague would so as your male colleague yes would. exactly exactly <laughs> yeah. and um, so sometimes I do find it it like that well you know what we've been nurtured from a very young age to uh, look at that assertive man look at that bossy woman yeah oh Carly you'd make a really good teacher you're really bossy okay thanks <laughs> thanks for that um, so yeah it's quite a unique take on it it's very clear during a get out I'm packing the trailer Carly is doing the get out yeah that's how it is and then don't come and ask me what to do because I'm packing the trailer yeah that is quite unique actually sometimes when I look and I just see a crew member walking towards the dock to ask you what to do next when I've so obviously been instructing like the previous five steps and I think oh is that, is that maybe because I can only handle these things and now oh now I'm tired or, or, or I don't yeah. know or I couldn't hold any more in my brain I don't know any more answers I yeah and I sort of think no, don't, don't need to go and ask him I'll tell you so you, I mean, you noticed this on tour as well, then. I noticed it. Yeah. And first get out we had in said venue, where it has been an issue. You sort of scream at them at the end, and still nothing happens. It's weird. It's really weird. 
it was and, and again it sort of harks back to me sort of thinking oh, maybe it was me maybe I just wasn't very assertive this evening or maybe I was a bit tired maybe I was just a bit off the boil and then actually I go but no I asked them to do this and you didn't do it and then you turn around and agree with me and I think oh right yeah that was a valid point I just made um there you go. That's, that'll, that's tough. I guess uh, a question that you might not be able to answer, but just I'll pose it anyway. Uh, is there anything that um, me, as a, a, a touring man, yeah. um, being confronted with this sort of situation hmm. can do? Well, that's interesting. I, um, I mean... If you sort of waved a flag and made it and sort of highlighted the fact that they were ignoring me because of being a woman, I think that would probably be even more distressing in the moment of being tired and sweaty yeah. mid get out. But um, it exacerbates a conflict that's yeah, kind of bubbling that, that's already the yeah, yeah, that they've already brought yeah. up and you've noticed. But I think, um, but equally, you're sort of so chill. I think you've got quite a nice way of addressing. If if there were something, I think you could just. But there, there's there's certain things you talk about during the get out, saying like if people come to me on the trailer when I'm packing, asking me what to do next, I'm like. I don't know. There's Talk someone. On, yeah, yeah. There's someone on stage actually running yeah. the get out. But there's there's also the sort of post thing of actually sending an email to the technical manager. Like most things comes from top down. Uh, even in attitude, in ways things are done, and it's not your job to address issues in a way. Uh, you deal with what you have to on site and, and in in real life, but then they have managers and it's their job to talk to them. So you could, I've done it to two venues in my lifetime so far, where I sent an email and addressed something I thought was not cool. Yeah. Uh, once even got my boss to talk to another venue about something I said was not cool. So it's not like you have to fix the world on your own. Like I've got a bus that I can talk to and she can send an email to her contact at that venue and then take it from there. Like yeah. You don't have to fix world problems there and then. Yeah. Because in a time-constrained environment, it's probably not the most helpful yeah. thing to start so, a yeah, gender yeah. debate amongst yeah. a group of technical... But it, it, there, there's like always things like, okay, we let's move on, but let's not forget, and then let's talk about it, like for real, like sit down and actually have a chat about it, because some things shouldn't be forgotten, mm. and hopefully they don't get forgotten, and we actually talk about it. Hi folks, it's me again. Thanks for listening to this first episode, I really hope you enjoyed it. The music used in the intro was the song Liker Type by the band Falcon Punch from their album Show Me Your Moves. You can find their work on Bandcamp. If you want to get in touch with me to give me feedback or just say hi, you can find me posting as OneFernie on Twitter. Let me know what you thought, or don't. I'm Alex Fernandez, and this has been Standing By. What's your favorite thing about being let inside? Maybe my very, very, very first time an audience see it and you sort of get this feeling of like you made something. Yeah. But then after the first time it's yeah. then you want to make something new. Good. Um, but it's, it's all, for me, it's really about the process. Like the time you spend from listening to music, watching people move around in the studio to then like dream up a delicious
design or an idea and then put it in a theatre and try it and see that it actually works and it's fun. And then suddenly it's on tour and it's like, yeah, it's just another piece. <laughs> but yeah, I think touring is fun, but it takes so much time away. <laughs>